0: All righty, good evening, everybody. Welcome you back to your seats. Grab your Bibles. First Kings chapter 10. We're going to pick up where we left off. And before we do that, we'll ask the Lord for his blessing. Now, Heavenly Father, we bow our hearts before you. We acknowledge your presence here. Jesus taught us that where two or three gather together in his name, that he is there, and so... King Jesus, we acknowledge your presence, we uh, yield our will to yours, and ask that your Holy Spirit would teach us, speak to our hearts, help us to listen, help us to obey, that we would be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we've been reading about the splendor and magnificence of a certain king, uh, David's beloved heir, his son, Solomon, and his kingdom. Now the temple of the Lord as well, and the palace complexes. There's nothing like it in all the earth. Uh, 20 years in the making, this glorious temple that the Holy Spirit has filled, and also the palace complexes, tons and tons of gold and precious gems and all kinds of imported goods and uh, wonderful anointed craftsmanship, uh, just nothing like it in the entire world. But here in chapter 10, uh, we're gonna see just how amazing this king, Solomon, is and this kingdom really are because we're gonna get a better understanding. Up until now, we've had just facts. We've had descriptions, right? But Tonight, we're actually going to see the whole thing uh, through the eyes of a visitor. The queen of the south, as Jesus called her, the queen of Shiva, is coming to town, a uh, 1,200 mile journey from modern day Yemen, to hear if everything she's heard about this king, this wise king, and this blended kingdom is true or just maybe just exaggerated. So as usual, with all scripture, it's not just about uh, the person we're reading about, like in this case, Solomon and the Queen of Sheba. It's actually a story that that is also about you and about me and the Lord Jesus Christ and how to uh, walk with him and be blessed. So listen closely, verses one through five. Verses one, here we go. When the Queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relation to the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. Arriving at Jerusalem with a very great caravan, with camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold and precious stones, she came to Solomon and talked with him about all that she had on her mind Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom of Solomon and the palace he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the attending servants in their robes, his cupbearers, and the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord, she was overwhelmed. All right, let's pause there. Uh, We're just gonna take the encounter of the queen's visit tonight in its entirety, but uh, one step at a time. This first step we'll we'll call, the queen is wowed. So if you're taking notes, the queen is wowed. You know, she really is wowed. In the Hebrew, uh, this word for overwhelmed that the NIV has uh, actually means uh, no more spirit in her. No wind, no ruach in Hebrew, spirit, no life. That she, she, it was like she was kicked, and she, the the wind was knocked out of her, speechless, just breathtaking. And so uh, tonight we're going to see the, uh, you know, the bumper sticker that says, "Wise men still seek him." Well, here it's not just wise men, right? It's a wise queen who is going to make the trek up, uh, all the way up unto. Uh, Jerusalem so the Queen visits and it's pretty famous you know Hollywood of course has lots of Queen of, queen of Sheba and Solomon type movies uh, don't believe anything that you watch there because it's a way off I mean they've invented lots of other stories uh, if you really want to know what happened in the Bible it's good to just read the Bible amen I don't know just a simple thought I throw in there for free uh, tonight, So let's put the globe up and we'll see where modern-day Sheba is. It is Yemen. So down at the tip of the Arabian Peninsula there. And it was a very wealthy, a 1,200-mile trip one way. Three months for her to get to meet this king of renown. Now, uh, Yemen was a really a wealthy place because of its location. Uh, It was strategically located as a center of trade and ships were going past there. Roads went right through there. And not only that, but they had great abundance of natural uh, resources just over the top. And uh, we'll read about the list of things that she brings. It just, uh, oh, they're just very wealthy as to this day. It is a very wealthy region, but not so much because of spices and gold, but because of something else, oil, (laughs) amen. So now uh, she was one of the most wealthy and powerful and influential women in the entire world. What motivated her to take a journey that far? I mean, why would she care? Thank you for the, the globe there. Why would she care? I mean, 1,200 miles through the desert back 2000, now 3,000 years ago. That's a big trip. Something was motivating her. And I don't think it was the rumored wealth uh, because nobody really had the gold mines and the, 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 the sandalwood or the precious gems or the exotic spices as Arabia. King Solomon had something that the queen and all her power and all her influence and all her wealth did not have. Answers to life's questions. The big important ones. Uh, Now, uh, verses one and two, it just says, when the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relation, uh, underlined, and his connection to the Lord, She came to test him with hard questions. So it's very significant that it's about his relationship with the Lord and she's associating all the wisdom and the wealth and all the rumors that she's hearing as it's connected to God. Now she's thinking, is this it? Is this the true God, the living God who made heaven and earth and who made me? Well, I have a lot of questions that nobody else and all these gods, so-called gods, cannot answer. And so she's interested, and it says in your text there, uh, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. She shared with him about everything she had on her mind. I just imagine some of her questions, don't you? I mean, mean, she came to test him, like, okay, listen, I've heard a lot about this wisdom of yours. Number one, what's the meaning of life? Why am I here? How did I get here? Who am I? What happens when you die? King Solomon, I notice you're wealthy, but so am I. And I'm just wondering why my treasuries are full, but my, my heart is empty. Could you tell me what is it all about? And so she laid it out, and he was able to say, you know, the fear of the Lord, queen, is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You you don't have anything until you have a foundation of a reverence for the God who made heaven and earth. He was able to tell her that. That's your missing link. Uh, Proverbs 19 and verse 23, which of course Solomon wrote, so we know he probably said things like this. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. Uh, Augustine said it so lovely. I mean, I I love this quote. I use it a lot, as you will um, probably recognize. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. Just so beautiful and so true. We have this God-shaped void in our hearts. He created us that way so that we would reach out to find him and be filled with his presence. That's what we were made for. Uh, The human machine was made to run on the Lord and his love. And nothing else is gonna power us. Nothing else is going to uh, satisfy us. And so, verse three, Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. Can you imagine? going to somebody who had an answer for every single dilemma in life. Nothing was too hard. I mean, in a sense, and it really is uh, supposed to be a prophetic picture of the Lord Jesus Christ because he is sort of a type. When he's obeying, he's a type of Christ, Solomon, the king, whose renown goes out throughout all the earth who you could come to and ask him anything, and he has an answer to all life's questions. It was a bit kind of like sitting and talking to God. I mean, all those Proverbs, he wrote 3,000 Proverbs, 915 are in your Bible. So he wrote even more than uh, 915. But those, those, those truths came from heaven. So when you had an audience with the king, and, and the king is uh, anointed, in those moments, you, you could be like sitting, talking to God about all of these wonderful things, dealing with difficult people, in her case, international, on an international scale, about wars, and poverty, and crime, and, and uh, personal issues, and what things made for success, and he had an answer to everything. There was not one thing that she brought up to this king that he didn't have an answer for, and the clarity just was, uh, Right there, cleared up any uh, confusion. Now, you'll recall in chapter three, the first time the Lord visited Solomon, he uh, he said, in a vision and a dream to him, ask me for whatever you want. I'll give it to you. What will it be? And Solomon thought long and hard and said, I'd like wisdom to do my job for you. And the Lord said, bingo. And here's what he said. I will do what you have asked I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. And then in chapter four, here's what he says about this wisdom. So we know this woman is getting uh, her questions answered. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breath of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the men of the east and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than any other living man on the planet and his fame spread to all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs. His songs numbered 1,005. We only have two of them. Psalm 72 and Psalm 127. He described plant life from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of, out of the walls. He also taught about animals and birds and reptiles and fish. Now, here's what I underline in chapter four. Men of all nations came to listen to Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. So the whole world wants an audience with this king but did you notice it says that those who came from all over the world were sent there by kings we don't have any record of that why do we have the record of the one woman who came because she didn't send anybody she came herself because it was important to her i could just imagine some king saying hey i heard about this rich king over there some uh, Jewish land, the Hebrews, Israel, okay? Go check this out. I'll send you. Here's the, here's the credit card. You know, the expenses are on the palace. Go find out all about him and his wisdom and then report back to me. Oh, yeah, you know, that's not, uh, that's not so important. But when you say, you know what? I'm, I saddle up the donkeys. I'm going on a 1,200-mile trip as a woman at her own expense. Three months, because she wants to know what is the meaning of life. It's worth it, because the truth sets the heart free, and the truth is eternal. She wants to know, how do I get to heaven? How do I live forever? Am I really gonna die and just be gone? So it's worth it to her. And I think that is what impressed the Lord Jesus Christ, to mention her, to give her a shout out. And this whole episode, is given a shout out in the eternal gospels and uh, in Matthew chapter 12, 11 uh, through, uh, I mean 41 through 42. uh, The Pharisees, here's the context for the shout out that goes to the Queen of Sheba. The Pharisees who have already seen Jesus do a whole lot of things. You can keep that up there just for a second. The Pharisees have seen a lot and so they just want another excuse you know, to not believe. And so they say, show us a sign. And he rolls his eyes and say, you guys are are wicked and adulterous. You're unfaithful. Uh, I know exactly what you mean. You've had enough signs. And then he says this. The men, you know what, guys? You're asking me for a sign? Listen. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now one greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south, now maybe in the 900 years that have passed since the queen of Sheba uh, came to Jerusalem, Maybe she's now called, that area is called the South in Hebrew, whatever. Uh, we know it's the same incident. The Queen of the South will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now one greater than Solomon is here. And so the Queen of the South is going to play a little a part in Jesus' teaching. This is what he's saying. Now, Pharisees, when Judgment Day happens, the Queen of the S- South, Queen of Sheba, who, who, who wanted to seek truth and went through all of that effort to seek truth, 1200 mile journey, she came, she recognized the wisdom, but uh, she found the wisdom at great cost. At her very example is going to condemn you because you were privileged God in a body came strolling up into your own neighborhood. You heard the words of God Almighty as I spoke to you. You saw the deeds and the miracles of the Son of God. She didn't know any of that. Not only that, but you knew the entire Old Testament almost by heart. So you have a great privilege you didn't even take advantage of but who will condemn you on that day is somebody that didn't have any of that privilege but still found me. So the same thing with the men of Nineveh. All they had, they had no Bible, they had no Old Testament knowledge, they had no son of God, they had no God in the flesh walking through their neighborhoods. They had nothing but a guy who just got spit up by a whale, you know, and was running around saying, 40 more days and this place is gonna be burning. And they repented. And he goes, you know what? Somebody way greater than Noah's here. But you're unmoved. Show us a sign. He says, I'll show you a sign. And that's exactly what he says. The sign will be is when you kill me and I'm resurrected. That's really what he's saying. The sign that I am who I am is when you're defeated. That's that's not pretty at all. And so, because she traveled from the ends of the earth, at great sacrifice to herself, um, to hear and check out Solomon's wisdom and someone way greater than Solomon is standing there and they are in trouble. Now, I started thinking about this concept. Um, people who have the advantage and should come to faith but don't will be put to shame by those who did. And it's an intriguing concept to me that the life of somebody in the resurrection who is in heaven will convict or speak against those and there'll be no excuses. And so what do I mean by that? I mean, like the rich young ruler who who didn't accept the words of the Lord, if he's standing there and he tries to say something, You know, hey, it was, nobody understands how much, I mean, I had so much. And the Lord will just look over heaven and just say, uh, all those who had to give up a little bit of a fortune, okay, to find me, you traded it in and you found the Lord, just raise your hands and, all right. And so their lives condemn the rich young rulers. who says, hey, you don't understand. Oh, well, let's just, hey, Come on over here in heaven and and give your testimony. You know, there'll be all kinds of things. I just picture that. You don't know how hard it was for me with drugs and alcohol. Then the Lord just turns and says, drugs and alcohol, people, anybody here from that whole world? Yeah, all as far as the eye can see, just, you know, hands go up here. You don't have to raise your hands here, but... You have no idea what it's like to be uh, orientated with same sex attraction. There's no way I could come to you. Anybody here in heaven who came to me broken and I gave you new life, you'll see millions, millions of hands. First Corinthians six, you're gonna meet people from Corinth who in first Corinthians six, nine through 11 in the list, Paul's saying, these kinds of lifestyles you don't get you to heaven. And he starts listing, and homosexuals is right in the smack middle. And then he says, in verse 10 and 11, and such were some of you, but you were washed, sanctified, and justified in the name of our Lord and by the spirit of our God. The Corinthian men will stand and go, you want to hear my testimony? It didn't matter how I was born the first time because I met the Lord and I was born again. The Queen of Sheba will rise with the judgment, with the Americans, who had a church on every corner, Bible bookstores, internet, television, the gospel galore, the Queen of the South, who had nothing but a rumor that's it, that's all she had. She'll rise, everybody'll look at her, and the American who said, you know what, wow. When God gives you a lot, he requires a lot. That's kind of a lesson here going on. All right, let's, let's continue, six through 10. Now she says to the king, the report I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true, but I didn't believe these things until I came and saw with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half was told me. In wisdom and wealth, you have far exceeded the report I heard. How happy your men must be How happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Praise be to the Lord your God who has delighted in you and placed you on the throne of Israel because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel. He has made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. That's beautiful. Let's pause there. So first the queen was wowed and now she's envious. The queen was envious. I love this, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, it says, how happy your officials, those serving you, how happy those who get to live here every day, I can, I'm counting the, the moments until I have to get back on the camels and, and go back home, but how blessed those people get to serve you and live in this kind of environment, how happy they must be, every single day, the wealth, the wisdom, the counsel, the provisions, the security, the peace, the love, and the joy, now I'm going somewhere with this, I hope you can be thinking prophetically, because Solomon is a type of Christ. How happy the people who serve this king must be 24 seven, King Solomon, a type of Christ prefiguring Jesus in so many ways. So like Solomon, uh, the king had all the answers, right? And our king has all the answers, uh, who can answer every question, solve every mystery. Let me assure you, when you stand face to face with your maker, and you will, no matter what your decision about him is, you will meet him. And when you do, you'll have all your questions answered. There won't be one thing left undone, you will know as you are fully known, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Your tears will be wiped away, all your questions will be answered, Uh, your heart will be at rest, and we will know as we are fully known, as I mentioned, when we see our wise king. Like Solomon, the king is worth seeking out because he has the answers. In Christ, Colossians chapter two, verse three, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Also the king, um, the king will take our breath away. It'll be just like her words. Listen to her words and then think of you standing in front of Jesus. All right, listen to this. The report we heard through the scriptures is true. But there was no way to imagine all of this. We didn't even know half of the story. We didn't, even know. we didn't even know half of your wisdom and glory. This far exceeds everything we imagined. And that's what it's going to be like. Come on. I mean, when you're there, you will have no words. Eye has not seen nor ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the things God has prepared for those who love him. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. It, you can't even, it hasn't entered your mind. You, you, you want to have an aha moment? You're going to have the biggest, longest, eternal aha moment when you just say, hey, I knew, hey, uh, I, I didn't know half of this. I, I didn't know half of the splendor, half of the glory. I kind of got an inkling it was going to be a wow, but I didn't, I, I couldn't, I, yeah, yeah, I, read yeah, <laughs> right? You know what Paul said when he came back from a little vision? He goes, I don't know if I was there. I don't know if it was a vision. It was like I was there. Can't put it into words. There are no words to tell you what I saw and heard. Inexpressible. There's no words. This is what happened to this poor woman. It says she couldn't breathe. She's just watching the whole thing, taking it in, watching him worship, watching the, the, the Levitical offerings, seeing what went onto to the table. They all had a drink with gold cups and just the, the wonderful scene before her. She so it just took her breath away. She said, I knew it was going to be big, but I didn't even know the half of it. Just, just wonderful. I had no idea a bejeweled city coming down from the heavens. Read Revelation 21 and 20 and 22. It's amazing what's waiting. I fear that when I get there, I'm going to say, if I would have known this, I might have lived a cut above. I might have put more effort. I might have sacrificed more. If I knew how much truly the Lord was keeping track of my sacrifices and my faith and rewarding me accordingly. I think when I see it and go, oh, I didn't even know the half of it. I just didn't get it. I tried the regret, perhaps, of, oh, of course it. Of course it was gonna be like this, right? I wanna just live that way now in faith that it is gonna be the wow that it's gonna be, because it's gonna be the wow. Did that make sense? (laughs) I followed it. (laughs) So here are beautiful, just a portrait again. Uh, The outsider looking in to the king and the men who serve and the women who serve, and here's what she says, just how happy they must be. Now listen, now if we think of him as Christ, right? and us as the servants, the church, and the outside pagan who's come to look curious and looks in, sees it all, and says, wow, Jesus, king of kings, those who serve the God of the universe, they must be wanting to pinch themselves with, is this, is this too good to be true? I am so happy all the time with the joy. This is what she's saying. She's looking in and saying, boy, wow how ecstatic how wonderful uh, it must be to have a king like you in fact you couldn't help to be happy out of obligation (laughs) out of gratitude to get to be in that kind of presence and environment wise counsel 24 7 provisions everything you need Uh, just just this wonderful glorious presence now Now true that the church and the individual Christians who serve the king of kings, uh, we're happy, we have a joy. It's not necessarily based on uh, material uh, prosperity but we have treasures, we have the Lord Jesus Christ, we have forgiveness, we have his wisdom, we have eternal life, we're adopted. The problem with Christians is this, you hear it so often that you just take it for granted. You know, I could say, hey, you have been adopted. You are God's dearly loved child. You call the God of the universe your father. You will be raised up and you will stand there and he will crown you with, with a crown of life and he will seat you on a throne and you will reign, you in this room will reign and rule with Christ forever. How happy Somebody who serves a king like that with that kind of future looming over their head and their lives, how happy that person must be to be in relationship with that kind of king, the object of that kind of love. Looking at the cross, how happy that person should be with the promises that everything in your life is being worked together for good, every last thing, because God has given you his favor, you and not some others. How happy, how happy she says as she looks at those who serve the king. How happy you must be. I hope that is the observation of people who look into your life. Just say, wow, you've got a maid with a God like that. You serve a God like that. You serve the God of the universe. How happy. You must be. C.S. Lewis. It's a Christian's duty, as you know, for everyone to be as happy as they can. I thought that was interesting. He's saying, you don't have to be happy in order to be saved, but if you are saved, you're going to be happy. Or something's wrong with you. I'm sorry, but there's something is wrong with you if you're a miserable Christian. Uh, I, I mean, we go through hard times and we have diseases, we lose loved ones and we have besetting sins and there's enough in this fallen world to make anybody uh, uh, really solemn at times. But under it all is the fact that the Holy Spirit is in me and is taking me and destining me for eternal victory that I will reign and rule and live forever with Christ in his kingdom as his heir, co-heirs with Christ. I, I can't be depressed, I, I'm not talking about clinical depression, I'm, not, I'm just talking about moping around with the doldrums. I really don't, I, I don't get that, I'm sorry. If, if you've connected with Christ then you're going to be, like she says, how, how happy these people must be, like pulling them aside. You get to live here? I got to go back. I got to go back to Yemen, man. But you, gotta, you wake up and you, you see that king's face every day. You get on your knees and you talk to God who, who, who names the stars and calls them and they come out and you get to call him uh, father and he says, what would you like me to do for you today, child? How happy you must be. Right? Oh, let me quote somebody. I was singing under my breath. I, I, I'm a very happy person underneath. I am, I'm happy. I'm, I, that's part of why I'm a goofball because I think everything is funny I, because I'm going to heaven. I'm gonna live forever and all my sins are washed away and nothing's, I'm never gonna be put to shame. That makes me happy. And it makes me want to sing. And one time I was singing, I sing a lot and people catch me and I don't know that they're there, you know. And I was walking around a corner at the college where I was teaching and nobody was in the hallway, so I was singing. And then suddenly somebody was in the hallway that I didn't see. And they said, What are you so happy about? And I go, I'm glad you asked me. Number one, (laughs) all my sins are gone. (laughs) I'm going to heaven, God loves me, he died for me. I'm gonna go to heaven and be with him forever, that's part of it, right there. And it's like, oh, okay. (laughs) I read this from uh, one of the books I was reading, I found it very interesting about C.S. Lewis' quote that we should all be happy. It's our obligation. There is nothing sentimental or dishonest about that statement, he writes. Nothing cavalier, nothing inhumane or callous. The Christian's joy, because it's rooted in Christ, is the most truly human joy of all. It can coexist with great sorrow and with the most resolutely honest assessment of this dismal world of ours. In Solomon's day as well, of course, there was sickness and death, personal disappointment, and grief of various kinds, but there was happiness too, shot through all of life. That's from uh, A Severe Mercy, the book of Severe Mercy. How about you? You're serving the king. Of kings, God of the universe. You happy? Or have you lost your joy? You have a cold, kinda hard heart, you bored with spiritual things, just going through the motions, kinda ill-tempered, uptight, a little impatient. Lost your joy because you've lost touch with the king. You gotta nurture. You gotta nurture that. The way to be happy is to be reminded of the great privilege that's been granted to you. The way to be happy is to be constantly reminded and aware of the great privilege that has been granted to you and not others. There are not others who are not as favored as you. That's the way. That means getting on your knees in the morning and getting reminded of that. Wow, me, God you love me, forgiveness, mercy. What do you have for me today? Every day with Jesus, that's how you'll be happy and find your joy and it'll be your strength. How happy you all should be, how happy. Now I read this from Robert Rayburn's sermon on 1 Kings, and I told Barb about it because it was a little bit of a wow (laughs) about this passage, about how happy the servant should be. Husbands, are your wives happy? It is a simple way to examine yourself as to your life as a husband. Have Have you been your wife's helper to joy? Have you so ordered your marriage in the Lord Jesus Christ that joy has been your lot for yourself, but even more for your wife? Wives whose husbands are righteous men and who love them as Christ loved the church are seldom unhappy. Is your wife happy? Happy to be married to you? She should be it is her inheritance as a Christian woman married to a Christian man. Do other women see you and the way you treat your wife and speak to her and speak about her and think like the Queen of Sheba, how happy your wife must be to have you for her husband. Oh, to be married to such a wise man who lives so wisely. Gentlemen, is it so? Well, hold on, he gets to the wives. Wives, are your husbands happy to be married to you? It is a simple way to examine yourself as a Christian wife. Do men who observe your life in your marriage envy your husband? Oh, to be married to such a wise and gracious woman who lives so wisely and well. Ladies, is it so? Elders and ministers of the church, is the congregation happy? Is the church alive with the joy of the Lord? Is the congregation enjoying the world of peace and harmony, of warm fellowship, of mutual care and consideration, of high purpose, of sacred worship that godly leadership is to create for the church by word and by deed and by example? Is the congregation happy? Stay on our knees keep our eyes focused on the Lord Jesus Christ, walk with him, nourish our faith, there's gonna be happiness, there's gonna be happiness. The Queen of Sheba gets a glimpse of life serving with King Solomon, how happy to serve in that kind of presence, how much more so we. Now, this is what Jesus was saying, you're the light of the world, A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp, put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Listen to this, because this is what just happened. This is what we saw. A pagan queen comes, looks in the windows, and says, man, I want that. Praise be to the Lord your God, who's responsible for all this. That was her conclusion. She saw the good works, the light on the, the, the hill, and just like God had wanted Israel to be, a light to the world, it happened. And so he says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven, Matthew 5. So here's what the queen says after she gets a, a load of all of this. She says, praise be to the Lord your God who has delighted in you and placed you on the throne of Israel because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel. He has made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. Listen, the world out there that God wants us to win, they want to be happy. Nobody wants more misery. Nobody wants to hear more about your problems or my problems. Or uh, they, they want to hear hope. They want to see a life that's working. It's wonderful when the Queen, Queen of Sheba or whoever it is out there comes and says, hey, I, I what would, uh, wonderful to be working here and living in this kind of environment. Uh, you know, when somebody says, hey, I, w- I want what you have. I want the kind of marriage you have. You know, my little brother once, uh, 20 years ago, said to me, he was struggling with his own marriage, and he, said, he, he sat us down and he said, Julie and I want what you and Barb have. It was so wonderful, let me tell you. It's only possible through faith in God. It's it's who she is, it's who I am. First and foremost, we're both Christians. We both have testimonies separate. We both were lost, now we're found. We were both blind, now we see, and we come together as a husband and wife who honor Jesus Christ. That's how you're gonna get anything. It's not perfect. But people look into our lives like the queen looks in and says, wow, I want this, I see this. And and I make the connection between this and the God in heaven. That's what he wants. They want truth that sets a heart free. They want love that covers a multitude of sins. They want grace and mercy and forgiveness. And you know what? The first place they look is for happy, (laughs) happy. Everybody wants to be happy. I'm not saying fake it, all right? I'm not saying walk out of here, I'm so happy. (laughs) What I'm saying is think about what's coming your way, all undeserved, and all without you trying to do anything. It's all yours, it's all yours. Your redeemed life, he's making something beautiful of that messed up life, sorry. (laughs) Uh, that we all offer him. He's making something beautiful. Does that make you happy? He's making something beautiful. Let's finish up three verses and make a couple comments and we'll be done. And she gave the king 120 talents of gold, uh, four and a half tons, large quantities of spices, precious stones. Never again were so many spices brought in as those uh, the Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. By the way, Hiram's ships brought gold from Ophir, and from there, they brought great cargoes of wood and precious stones. The king used the wood to make supports for the temple of the Lord and for the royal palace and to make harps and lyres for the musicians. So much wood uh, modern day, the, the term is sandalwood, has never been imported or seen since that day. King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba all that she desired and asked for besides what he had given her out of his royal bounty. Then she left and returned with her retinue to her own country. So that's where we're gonna end tonight. But uh, number three, I would say, the queen's uh, generosity and her reward. So the queen's... The queen is wowed. The queen is envious, and the queen's generosity and uh, reward. Now, as I've said many times, the evidence of a is of a heart touched by the Lord is a generous, graciousness or a giving. And boy, did she ever give! A commentator said, "You know, she brought a lot of stuff, but she didn't have to give it all, right?" So, uh, four point. Five tons of gold, exotic spices, rare sandalwood. Sandalwood is a kind of wood that they say the fragrance is aromatic and it lasts for decades. It just was rare and Solomon's gonna put it to good use there. Once again, the picture of Christ. Now when he returns and the kingdom is set up, the thousand year kingdom, when Christ returns, he rejuvenates the earth because it's been through Armageddon and it's barely alive, the whole planet. He redoes it, and there's a kingdom. And those nations will bring tribute to the king, such as the Queen of Sheba brought to this king. It's the same thing that's going to happen. In fact, uh, Psalm 72, which Solomon wrote, listen to what he said about the king. He will rule from sea to sea, Solomon writing, Psalm 72. He will rule from sea to sea and from the river Euphrates to the ends of the earth. The desert tribes will bow before him and his enemies will lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish, listen to this, and of distant shores will bring tribute to him. The kings of Sheba will present him gifts. All kings will bow down to him and all nations will serve him. And so even through Solomon, Solomon kind of knows that he's a prophetic type of a king that will be eternally reigning on the throne as promised to his father, David. And so just a beautiful picture once again. And so part of worship and part of loving God is uh, giving to him. The wise men came and they gave gifts, right? It's when our hearts are touched and we're moving closer to him, Our hearts open up. We want to give not only of our resources, but of our gifts, our callings, our lives, everything that we have. We want to open up and be generous and gracious. Zacchaeus, in in Luke uh, 16, uh, his heart is touched, that tax collector, and uh, he stands up, and he says, half of my possessions right here and now I give to the poor. And if I've wronged anybody, and he had, I'll, I'll give... Four, uh, four times as much in restitution because God had done a work in his heart. So, she, Mrs. Sheba, the Queen of Sheba, she brings all of this out. And here's what I want to close with you can never outgive the Lord. Because look what it says King Solomon, verse thir- 13, gave the Queen of Sheba all she desired and asked for, besides what he had given her out of his royal bounty, and she left very happy. You see, that's the cycle of the Christian life. You empty, and he, he blesses, and he gives, and he fills. And we, and we freely have received, so we freely give, and then he freely gives again. That's the way it always works. It always worked for 35 years in my Christian life. Give away, be replenished, refresh others, you yourself will be refreshed. Uh, Luke uh, says, give, and it will, Jesus says in Luke chapter six, give, and he'll be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. You won't know what to do with all of it as you give out. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And so here she is, just piling off all of these loads of gifts. And you know what? Her donkeys are just getting reloaded out in the back. <laughs> As, and that's the way it is, but a lot of Christians just don't have the faith for that. They want to keep the, the things loaded up and just give a little bit off. And so he says, okay, I'll put a little back on, right? But if you you just... Be more freely giving. He is more freely able to fill because there's room there. That's just the way it is. And ask anybody who's a tither or a giver. Just talk to somebody like that and they'll just light up and tell you, man, or it's the way God works as we give. He will never be a debtor to anybody, not in this life or in the life to come. You'll always see That's why you could say, test me in this. Just test me. Go ahead and give it a try. And you'll see. You'll see I'll open up the heavens, heavens and pour out down a blessing on you. Just loosen up a little bit and trust that there's actually a God in heaven with unlimited resources who can take good care of you. Just, just give me that much and watch what I can do. And the queen, she, she, she got it. She got it. And so tonight happy. We're happy. And if you're not, then go back to the king, get in touch with the awareness of the privilege, and you'll be singing for joy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we lose our way so easily, <laughs> and we forget, and our, our brains get fogged up 10 minutes after we hear something that was so uh, insightful or so helpful. So just help us, Lord, just like we have amnesia spiritually. We just, we hear something and then 10 minutes later, it's gone. Uh, we pray it would be different. Your Holy Spirit would seal in these truths, eternal word of God doing its work in our hearts and lives. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand together. I do care very much if you are happy or, or not but I, I do care a lot about people who are looking into your lives and my life what they see because we represent him to see graciousness and, and something different than, than what's out there I was in line and Somebody was taking forever, and they they had a change purse with probably 110 pennies in it, and and they're counting it out, and everybody in the whole store is rolling their eyes and harumphing, and I just knew I'm I just knew I was on call. I just knew I had a shift into faith right there. Just okay, let's just let the Lord come into the situation. And I was at peace and I was happy and I was gracious. It was a miracle. And, <laughs> and there was all these apologies, oh sir, oh sir, but noticing I, I'm not in any hurry. I'm not upset. She wants to know why. And as always, I'm happy to explain <laughs> why. Let those looking in see generous spirit a soft-heartedness, a merciful approach to life. Why? Because we're happy. We're happy. My sins, our sins forgiven. Amen. Especially Christmas. Heavenly Father, help us to be happy because we understand who we are in you and what's in store for us. Not only in the future, but even now. The great privilege of having your Holy Spirit as a guarantee in our hearts, sealing us in Christ. We love you. We commit ourselves to your care. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. There's prayer at the cross. Pastor Jim's going to be over there in just about 30 seconds. If you need prayer. If not, we'll see you Sunday for the choir. One service, 1030.